Join me in Ephesians 1, if you were not there already. I see now that my PowerPoint might be a little bit too light. I have to revisit that next week. Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening, as we gather here as your church in Altoona, Iowa, we confess that you are God all-wise. Even as we have just confessed in song to the praise of your glorious grace as we walk through the history of redemption, and we see your wise plan coming to fruition as an eternity past, you set out to save us. You called us to yourself. You sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, to rise again victorious for us. We rejoice in that hope this evening, Heavenly Father. And we long for the day when Christ will come again. We long for the day when all things will be made new. We pray that even in this Hour, as we look at this passage, these few verses here in Ephesians 1, that we will be strengthened, that our hearts will be encouraged to keep on. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Even as I was reading those verses earlier, Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 to 14. Even as I was reading, you may have noticed it's kind of a, a jumble of words. It's easy even as you're reading it to sometimes get almost too far in front of yourself. It's interesting, but those first several verses, really verses 3 to 14 in the Greek, it is one sentence. It is one long sentence. In fact, one commentator says, verses 1 to 14 are one sentence in the Greek, considered by some scholars to be the most cumbersome sentence in the Greek language. But it's a sentence that is packed with doctrinal truth. It's almost as if the Apostle Paul, as he gets started here in the book of Ephesians, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's as if he cannot contain his excitement. He cannot hold it in any longer. I have to tell you what Jesus has done. When he gets to verse 15, he gets back really to the way he typically starts his epistles. Therefore, also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. In many of his epistles, he starts by introducing himself. I am Paul, writing to Ephesus, and I am thankful for you. But here, there's a break between those two. As Paul just launches into the sentence of praise. Look who God is. Look what he has done. John MacArthur says this about this passage. This passage, verses 3 to 14, describes God's master plan for salvation. 
And it describes it in these terms. First, in terms of the past. As you see election in verses 3 to 6 that we'll look at this evening. Then the present, or redemption, in verses 6 to 11. And finally the future, or our inheritance, in verses 12 to 14. One thing that MacArthur also notes is another way that you could divide this is not by past, present, and future, but by father, his work in the past, son, his work in the present, and spirit, the inheritance that we will get, that is, that the spirit um, is, um, are the guarantee of in the future. And so we'll work our way through these verses over the next several weeks. We'll spend really probably the next three weeks on one sentence, one long sentence. Even last night, I must confess, I was going back and forth between just doing the whole sentence and getting the whole big picture or trying to break the sentence up into these different parts. In fact, last night, Chris and I were talking and uh, she asked me, she said, well, what are you preaching for Sunday night? And I said, well, either Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 or Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> But the more I looked at it, the more I studied I think it's good for us to break it up. There's just, there's so much doctrinal truth. So many terms that need to be defined and studied in here that I feel like if we were just to, to do all 14 verses at once, we'd either be here all night or we'd just barely scratch the surface. So we're going to break the sentence up into three parts. Likely three parts. Starting tonight with verses 3 to 6. And as we work our way through here, through these first three verses, four verses, verses three, four, five, and six, we'll see the God who blesses in verse three, the God who chooses in verses four to five, and the God who deserves all the glory in verse six. And uh, I don't have my clicker, so you'll just have to move the slides as we get to them. The first thing we see here, starting in verse three, is the God who blesses. The God who who blesses. The Apostle Paul starts out here. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God the Father. That word there, blessed, is the idea, the same word that is elsewhere translated as eulogy. We understand what a eulogy is. It's something that's often given at a funeral. As you speak these nice things, tell about what this person has done. That's the idea here. Blessed be God the Father. Let me tell you what he has done. Again, I could just picture Paul starting to write this letter. Grace to you and peace for Lord Jesus Christ and the Father. And, and I'm going I'm to tell you guys... I'm thankful for you. I'm going to get to that. But first, let me tell you what God has done. Blessed. Blessed be God the Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there's an interesting thing there in verse 2. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. God is our Father. There's a connection there. In fact, we'll see later on in here our adoption as sons. And yet here in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our Father and Jesus is our Lord. Blessed be this God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why? What are these great things that he has done? 
He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing if you are in Christ. Brothers and sisters, you have all that you need. You will not be found lacking. Peter, in 2 Peter, says this, that in Christ we have all that we need for life and godliness. It's the same idea here. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every single one. In fact, these spiritual blessings are the, uh, the things that we will see in verses 4 to 14 as he unpacks all of this. Each and every one of these, these blessings stretch from eternity past into eternity future. It is everything that you need given by the Holy Spirit, as you see next. Every spiritual blessing. The idea of spiritual blessing there is not necessarily spiritual as opposed to temporal. In fact, we have again given many blessings here on earth, have we not? The blessing even as we saw uh, this morning of mothers. Maybe you have the blessing of a spouse, the blessing of a job. There's lots of blessings, but it's not those things that Paul is talking about here. He is talking about these things that stretch into eternity. All the things that God has given you. These things that are tied to your salvation. These are the ones that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Again, these spiritual blessings are not from here on earth. They are in the heavenly places. These are spiritual blessings that are not corruptible, but eternal. These are spiritual blessings that are not something that we can attain, but something that we must be given by the grace of God. Because they are not here, they are from heaven. And praise the Lord that God has given them to us. But how has he done this? That's those last two words there. In verse 3, how has God given us all of these spiritual blessings, these eternal blessings that stretch from eternity past to eternal, eternity future? How has God done this? In Christ, by grace alone. These are yours in Christ. The idea of in Christ will go on to play a big part of this. You are in Christ. You have placed your faith in him. You are righteous before God in Christ. So blessed be God. He deserves to be praised. He deserves all the glory that is due his name because he has given us all of these spiritual blessings. As you move on to verse 4 then, we see not only the God who has blessed us, but now the God who chooses. In verse 4, we start to see what some of these spiritual blessings are. Just as he chose us in him, in him there is to be in, is in Christ before the foundation of the world. Just as 
One of these spiritual blessings is the fact that you have been chosen by God. As you continue working your way through these passages, you see that God chose not only by himself, but he chose for himself. For the praise of his glorious grace. In fact, what you'll see as you work your way through this passage is that his choice is not based on any merit of your own. But he chose you in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Long before creation, before even the fall, God chose you. It is not based on any merit. It is based by grace alone. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Note there that this is the goal of God's election. He did not choose us because we are holy and without blame. He did not choose us because we are better. He looked down to eternity past and he chose us before the foundation of the world to make us holy and without blame. This is the goal of God's election, to make us new. That we should be holy and without blame. That's our problem, is it not? That we are not holy and without blame. We know the story of the fall back in Genesis 3. The fall that plagues mankind, sin that plagues us all throughout the Bible. Passages even into Romans 3 and 6 that tell us that we have all sinned and that the wages of our sin is death. I mean, that is a serious problem. We have sinned against a holy God. and We deserve death. We are not without blame before God. And yet knowing that, he chose you in him before the foundation of the world to make you holy and without blame. In Christ, before him, in love. Again, this is his motivation. We go back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is the love of God that motivates him to do this. Really, you can take those last two words there at the end of verse 4, in love, and put them at the beginning of verse 5. Because this is the motivation for what he does. His goal, choosing us in eternity past, before the foundation of the world, was to make us holy and without blame. And so then, in love, he predestined us. He predestined us. He foreknew us. He chose us in eternity past. He predestined us. He, he set us aside to save us. In love, having predestined us. To what? To adoption as sons. Not as slaves. 
but as sons, with every privilege and right of a son. As Romans 8 says, heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Growing up, my two best friends were adopted. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I used to beg my mom, Mom, are you sure that I'm not adopted? I wanted to be adopted so bad. She assured me, I guarantee you are not adopted. I was there the day you were born. But as a young man, that idea of adoption, that my friend's parents went and loved them so much that they, they said, I want this kid. That's how I thought through it as a kid, you know. Brothers and sisters, you have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. God is doing something in you to make you holy and without blame before him. And so in love, he predestines you. He sets you aside saying, I will adopt him as my son. What a privilege. Sons and daughters of God. With all the rights and privileges there too. He predestined us. Not to be second-class citizens. Not to be slaves, as Romans 8 makes clear. He predestined us to adoption as sons. Again, how? By Jesus Christ to himself. By Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why? According to the good pleasure of his will. Why? Because God wanted to. Because God is good. By himself and for himself, God has done this according to the good pleasure of his will. He chose to and he is good. Finally, as you come to verse 6, even looking back to verse 3, we see the God who deserves all the glory. We've seen the God who blesses, the God who chooses, and now the God who deserves all the glory. I had no role in this. Why has he done this? According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That his grace would be lifted high that his grace would be praised. That those of us who have been adopted as sons would lift his name high and sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Because God has done this. To the praise of the glory of his grace, this grace by which he made us accepted. Again, he made us accepted. We weren't accepted. There was nothing in us. Our sin separated us from God. It condemned us to hell. 
But God, in Christ, in the Beloved, in Jesus, has made us accepted. Adopted with Adopted as sons, holy and without blame before him. So we join our voices to Paul and say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be God. He deserves all the glory. As you continue to work your way through these first several verses and down into verse 14, there is just reason upon reason upon reason, blessing upon blessing upon blessing that Paul writes. As if he is just, he's just writing everything that he can think of. He chose us. And when he chose us before the foundation of the world. And, and what did he choose us to? To be holy and to be blameless. And, and he predestined us to adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. And it's as if he keeps going. There's, there's just more that keeps adding to this. He can't stop. There's not even time to put a period. Just look what God has done. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Brothers and sisters, this is good news. You can see why Paul was so eager to write this. Why he was so eager for the saints in Ephesus to know this truth and to rejoice in this truth. We are so quick, I think, sometimes to move past the gospel. We want to jump into the deep doctrine. But this gospel of what Jesus has done for us, this is everything. Look what he has done for us in terms of the past. The work of God the Father, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I'm going to close this evening by reading these verses again. This sentence, if you will. Verses 3 to 14. And then we're going to close with the song, To God Be the Glory. Because he deserves all the glory. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, 
being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of our purchased possession to the praise of his, glo- uh, to the praise of his glory. Let's stand and close this evening.